1: And what's up, everybody? Welcome in. GC Live Wednesday episode of the show. He is Chris Clark. I'm Wes Mitchell. Chris rocking his old-school Rivals five-star challenge Under Armour shirt. I have that exact shirt. Favorite of mine. Uh, Welcome in. Glad to see you. Uh, Glad to hear from you. If you're a fan out there, thanks for joining us, whether that's on YouTube, youtube.com slash Gamecock Central, on Twitter, which is at Gamecock Central. Or on Facebook, which you can find by just searching South Carolina Gamecocks on GamecockCentral.com. Or if you are one of our podcast subscribers, appreciate you joining us there. Wherever you're joining us, we do appreciate it and appreciate the support. As always, show is brought to you by Clint Hammond. He's our good friend over at the Mortgage Network. Check him out, ClintHammond.com. 803-771-6933. If you're in the market for a new home or maybe you just want to save some money, you can get refinanced. Uh, quick phone call. Uh, basically, Clint will uh, take your situation. He'll put together a package with a number of options for you, whether you want to maybe uh, have a little bit less as far as your down payment. Maybe you want a low monthly rate, so you want to give a little bit more as your down payment. He'll give you all your options. You can sort through and then figure out the best uh, option for you and your family. So Again, 803-771-6933 or clinthammond.com uh Gamecock fans Chris, I believe are in a pretty good mood. South Carolina women's basketball of course, a 62 to 34 win to advance to the third final four in school history. Uh, baseball team keeps on rolling there was a time honestly man last night it felt like somehow the baseball team and the women's basketball team were like on the same page like they both literally just jumped out. First quarter for women's basketball, first inning for baseball, um, just jumped on their opponents. And, uh, you know, I, I for me, uh, we'll, we'll go obviously into the women's basketball game first. Uh, for me, that, that was like the, the big takeaway. Other than overall, South Carolina just played great defense. But they were dominant to start the game, set the tone right off the bat that uh, this was not going to be an easy evening for Texas. And then they were dominant in the end, holding them to literally zero points um, in uh, the time they've had, sort of the quarter format, which actually has only been since 2016, I think, but never been a team held to zero points in a quarter in the NCAA women's tournament, and um, actually just total, even with the you know the entire time they've ever had the tournament, it is the lowest output for a half um, in Elite Eight history, with Texas having just 12 points. In the entire half, so Chris, uh, not not really anything at all negative that you can say about this performance. I know Dawn Staley was very quick to put on her coach hat and say, you know, we we got to play better next week uh, or, or next game. Uh, which that you know that's what coaches do, and, and she may be right. Very very good team awaits them, but for for about twenty four hours or so, I think South Carolina fans can just enjoy this and enjoy. A, uh, another trip to the Final Four.
2: Yeah, and I think you you know, it, I man. I think we can analyze the next game and, and what needs to improve for South Carolina and the matchups therein. But this this was a dominant performance, and honestly, I was a little bit surprised by it, by the margin of victory in the game. You know, Texas made some runs. You know, at some point, you, you know, sitting there watching it, at least for me, going, all right, Texas is making a little bit of a run here. You know, I think at one point they had, what, a 10-0 run, 12-0, something like that. It cut it down, whittled the lead down, which South Carolina had built such a big cushion. Then South Carolina would inevitably hit a big shot, make a big defensive play, and they were able to stretch it out again. And so it, it was really different from the first three games in this tournament. You know, in those games, South Carolina got off to maybe a little bit of a slower start, sort of scuffle, let the other team hit some shots. This one... I think you hit it. They won this game with their defense. Now, were they good offensively? Sure. And and honestly, could have been better, like Don Staley said. But they hit some outside shots. Zia Cook, outside shooting, mid-range game. She had that working. Um, Aliyah Boston was really good inside. Victoria Saxon was really good. L.A., again, off the bench, impacting with some blocks, some steals. I mean, she, she had a big impact in this game. Charlie Collier, the, the excellent post player for Texas, didn't do a whole lot, you know, every time. I mean, that that was the thing I kept going back to watching the game. Every time Texas possessed the ball, they had very few open shots. They got some here and there, and and they made some, they missed some. But South Carolina's defense was really stifling in this game, and, and they made the most of their offensive possessions as well. So really complete performance, really impressive performance, no doubt about it. No doubt. Uh, again, uh, and
1: Eric asked, "I wonder why they quit streaming the baseball games." Uh, I, you you can catch all the games. I, I think pretty much there may have been one or two at the beginning of the year that uh, were not streamed. You can you can watch all the games SEC Network Plus on the ESPN app. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I thought it was a complete performance. The fact that they didn't even have to get a huge statistical day from Aaliyah Boston and still won by what you know by what they did. Uh, yeah very very impressive and and I thought uh, dude uh, if, if you sort of look at the the depth that is building within this team as the year has progressed I mean you uh you know you're talking about uh and me here I mean I i and I'll readily admit I you know Chris wellbaum does an outstanding job covering the day-to-day game to game he watches literally every single game and covers it for Gamecock Central I have not but you know, I've seen I see games here and there, and to me, watching a me here earlier in the season, a few games, and watching her now, she looks like a completely different player to me. And uh, you can tell m- maybe the confidence in the knee is back, or maybe it's just having a better understanding of what's going on. But uh, the the upside there, the way she every now and then it seems like she's a little bit sort of out of control, but it's like a she's almost like the wild card in that she. Is athletic, long arms, just a lengthy person in general, can jump. And, um, you know, she, went, once she was able to get back in, she had early foul trouble, I, I think is why she didn't play more. But she, dude, she, I mean, she stuffed the stats in about, I think, 17, 16, 17 minutes of play, which was the crazy, uh, craziest part about her numbers. But you start to look to the future, Zaya Cook, when she's on, I mean, super athletic, but when she has that little mid-range jumper going, which she did last night, um, very, very smooth-looking athlete. So just uh, I, my, my biggest takeaway, not not that it's time, you know, we can look ahead after the season, but I thought it was interesting when Dawn Staley was like, for one, they have no idea what they just did, like how um, impressive what they've accomplished is. But two, you know, she snuck in there, The well, they, they have no idea – basically how good they can be uh, pointing out how how young this group actually truly is as far as you know lots of sophomores who did not get to play in the tournament last year so I you know that 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 sort of caught my attention was that hey what what will what will these ladies be in in another year so um, I, I think they have you know Gamecock Russ is pointing out here that Ty Harris and Kiki are definitely a big reason you know the leadership they showed last year but early on, to me, it was very apparent they missed the leadership of those two. And now I think it's almost like they're becoming their own, you know, their their own identity, their own team. Every, every team's a little bit different uh, as far as the makeup of a team, the identity of a team. They're finding who they are a, a, as a team. And I, I think uh, early on, you could tell they were missing just that little bit of extra edge, that little bit of experience that. Uh, That you know those two ladies had, and uh, it's been sort of fun to see them grow.
2: Yeah, and it's all about you know when when you're playing your best ball and when it when it comes together for you. And so, you know, I I don't know that anybody came into this year thinking that South Carolina was just going to run completely over everybody in in the women's basketball game this year, And, and they didn't. I mean, they lost a close game in overtime to UConn this regular season. They dropped one to Tennessee, you know, to snap their SEC winning streak. I mean, inevitably those things are going to happen. Well, they've lost four games this year, Wes. And you would think every one of those losses is like the world was going to end. You know? I mean, just because that that means you have made it. I mean, when your program is that good that one loss just completely riles everybody up, um, that that shows you what you've done. I mean, it, it was not that long ago that this program had losing records. You know, year in, I mean, it happened. And, and so Don Silly's built it up to where the standard is so high. And now this team, I, I don't know you know if people expected a Final Four run for this team, but, but here they are. They're playing probably their best basketball. I think that was one of the best games they played all year against the Texas team that maybe, maybe didn't have the best night, Wes, but their defense is what started it, like we said, and I think that was the exciting thing for Gamecock fans. And there were questions coming into this year because those three freshmen that you take off of last year's team, we all talked about that, right? Yeah, Harris and and Kiki, but you added, you know, Zaya Cook and Beal in Boston. You said those those girls are going to be around for next year's team. Yeah, but they still, again, they missed out on that postseason experience last year. You were knocking off two very important senior pieces off that team. You needed some others to step up. And so they've done that. They've grown throughout the year. Destiny Henderson, Zaya Cook, you know, uh Victoria Saxon's grown. LA, as we said. In the postseason, it's taken a huge step forward in the absence, you know, of, of one of their more impl- important players being on the bench with a leg injury right in time for the postseason, and the others have really stepped up. So, I don't know where it'll go from here, but no doubt an impressive run so far.
1: Well, they, they have, awaiting them, the number one overall seed in the tournament, so it'll it'll certainly be a, a tough matchup, no doubt, but also I, I think they've they've proven they can play with anybody in the country, so... Really, to me, these games just come down to who performs, who gets a break here or there, who has a good day, who has a bad day. Um, so many variables, unpredictable variables when it comes down to one game, really in, in any sport. But uh, So that'll be fun. They made it this far. I think they have reached the point, you know, every single fan wants South Carolina to win the next two games and win the national championship. But they've they've already reached that point to where no matter what happens, Friday, it's been a successful season for, for them. Now, they're not gonna have that thought yet. Their thought is on a title. And I, I think they rightfully believe they would have had every chance in the world to bring home a title last year, if not for things that had nothing to do with them, you know, with with the COVID and all this. So um fans, you can already be very, very proud of the results, successful season, but in-house, they're thinking one thing, and that's let's win this game, and let's go beat what will probably be UConn and uh, and sort of get some revenge on them and and uh, and, and bring home the title and go, go straight through UConn to get it. So um, it'll be fun. Anyway, that's Friday, 6 o'clock, um, 6 o'clock tip-off, and the other game I, I think is after the South Carolina game, so – Um, will be interesting, and with a win on Friday, South Carolina will play national championship on Sunday. Baseball we won't go a ton into, but South Carolina taking care of business, business business-like win, got up big on Gardner-Webb, and and just sort of, uh, you know, I I would say kind of the rest of the game was not noteworthy. You know, there wasn't a whole lot noteworthy in the game. It was just a midweek take care of business, do what you need to do to get – a dub type day for, for South Carolina baseball, Chris.
2: Yeah. And I didn't, I tried to catch some of it. Wes didn't watch all of it because of, you know, the women's game going on uh, at at about the same time, but it did catch some of it. And, um, you know, again, like you said, take care of business. The, the pitching was solid. Came up with some big hits. Um, George Khalil with a homer. How about that? Almost had one. In the Florida series that ended up being a very important extra base hit, just missed a homer in that series. So he gets himself a home run. Brady Allen with another one. And, not surprisingly, Gamecock Russell loved this one. Home run for Wes Clark. I saw him point that out as soon as it happened. So another day, another home run for Wes Clark. And at one point saw a stat, I think, from Derek Scott via Tommy Moody on Twitter. Of course, this two doing a good job calling the game on the radio. And uh, West Clark at some point, West his last four hits were home runs, I think, and five of the last six or something like that. So typically, when West Clark, as of late, when he's getting hits, he's he's getting home runs. So just just a dangerous hitter, and continued that that pace last night.
1: Yeah, and really, they they go into this weekend Easter weekend they will be on the road at Georgia, but. um they they go into the weekend I'm sure feeling really good about themselves and and with momentum the uh you know I, I thought Colin Taylor uh, you know our, our baseball beat writer I thought he he did an outstanding job uh with the story he put out before the game yesterday but just talking about the offensive approach and how they've sort of they've kind of dialed back a little bit as far as um their approach at the plate trying to go opposite field more trying to um it's basically the equivalent of taking a little bit off um, in order to, uh, you know, make sure you're you're not striking out. And but with that, the power numbers and the extra base hits and the doubles um, have still been there. So I think what we see is that they are strong. There are several people in this lineup that are strong enough. West Clark being, I would say, the strongest at least as far as the output at the plate to to not. Uh, you know they can shorten up, but you're still getting extra base hits and home runs. So that's a, that's very impressive. And uh, I'm looking right now at the updated stats. You have several guys hitting above 300 um, that are normal parts of the lineup, and then uh, another. So you got let's see, one, two, three, four, and Braylon Wimmer, Josiah Seitler, West Clark, Brady Allen are all hitting above 300. Andrew Eister right below it at 295. David Mendham at 269, and uh, Jeff Heinrich, who uh, doesn't hasn't quite had enough abs to qualify to be in the little top portion, but is hitting 275. So really, up and down the order, you've had to, you you know this team is just playing very well right now, and um, you know got got a pretty good start, I would say, from Jack Mahoney as well. So just continue to show off the depth of um ability within the pitching staff among this team. And I, I still say though, man, the guy that I circle that I feel like and may, maybe I'm maybe I'm putting too much stock into something I was told a long time ago. But and a major league baseball scout who I happened to meet when South Carolina signed Brendan Malone was like this guy will be in contention for SEC freshman of the year. Um, He's like, this guy is that good of a hitter. And, you know, he, he started from the very beginning of his time at South Carolina. He was injured last year, but obviously they were very high on his ability at the plate. This year, it just has not happened yet. But to me, that's the dude I circle and say, if he gets it going, then the lineup just gets that much more dangerous. And I think... You know they gave him. I think it was it was Sunday. Yeah, they gave him a Sunday start against Florida. They're going to keep giving him his opportunities, I would think, mm-hmm. to get rolling. And uh, and he's a dude I, that I would look at uh, moving forward. So we'll we'll see if that happens. But certainly another big series this weekend. Not quite as talented of an opponent, but certainly a very capable opponent in Georgia. And I'm sure we'll go through all that on Friday's show. There's a couple of questions, Chris. I guess. I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on men's basketball because there's really not a whole lot new. But I, I saw um, Tony who asked if we could address what's going on with men's basketball, and um, then uh, the absolute basketball experience with Jamie Shaw. By the way, I'll throw a uh, I'll throw a shout out to Jamie if you're if you're watching this on YouTube and you're a basketball fan or want to keep up with basketball, uh, certainly in the state of South Carolina and basketball prospects, high school guys who are stars, uh, subscribe, click, click right on through and subscribe to Absolute Basketball Experience with Jamie Shaw. He does a good job on, on that YouTube uh, show and does a good job uh, writing for you over there at uh, Palmetto Preps as well, Chris.
2: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, Jamie does an excellent job contributing to a, a couple or a few different uh, sites around the Rivals.com network. So you can check him out, palmettopreps.com, ncpreps.com. I think he's had some stuff featured on our Duke site. I believe on Devil's Illustrated, so really plugged in, does a really good job. And um, yeah, man, you know, funny he mentioned Sidney or Ice playing at the Strom. Um, I Jamie, we, we probably were in the same gym at the Strom around the same time, and obviously didn't know each other then. I, I remember one day I was at the Strom and saw Sydney literally jumped over a kid. And I mean, you hear that sometimes, right? Like he jumped over that guy, whatever. I'm being literal. It was a it was a guy who was. Probably about my size or a little bit shorter. So, a big mismatch. And you would see football players up there playing basketball a lot. And Sydney, you know, it's some kind of fast break or something. He literally jumped over the guy. It, it was pretty absurd. So, um, heck of an athlete. And there was some really good. I mean, everybody knew Sydney could play because he was really good in high school at Gaffney. Remember when I was at Hannah, we had our best basketball team in a long time up there. And Gaffney came to Hannah in the playoffs and wrecked the shop, ruined their playoff, you know, chances in, in maybe the second or third round, something like that. Sydney was outstanding, but some other really good Hoopers that were that were more football players by trade. Sydney was more of a two true, true sport guy who was really talented on the hardwood as well. Well, the you know,
1: I, I was at Carolina at the same time. There were always some pretty strong rumors that the football team believed they could put together a group that could actually beat the current at the time basketball team. Do you remember that? Like there, that was sort of that was like a rumor that that if they could pick their best five, that they could beat the men's basketball team. And the you know the that was Dave Odom years. The men's basketball team was very competitive at the time. That was when they you know the back to back nit wins. Um, they were coming off uh, a couple of years before the you know the, the trip to to the big dance and so you know it wasn't like they were a bunch of scrubs, but that you look at Sydney, he was to me sort of the the guy that they would always point to like okay, if there was a basketball team from the football team that would have uh, been the star of the football <laughs> basketball team. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I think so, and and then a little bit, you know, once Cliff, like Cliff Matthews, is really good when he enrolled, he was a good player. Alshon Jeffrey, that was, you know, obviously even later than that, he was really good. But no, nah, man, I, I don't. I, I have look, I I do, I did hear that about the football team. I don't doubt that they thought that. I would
1: have to leave. <laughs> they definitely thought that.
2: They definitely thought it. I, I think, uh, yeah, and, and Jamie mentioned Derek Watson. I remember hearing some stories about him at, at the black, but um. I, I would tend to think, you know, if we're talking about 2005, 2006 era Gamecock basketball, I'm, I'm going to still pick the basketball team. That was Trey Kelly, who for my money was one of the most underrated players in any sport in Gamecock history. Brandon Wallace, Bryce Sheldon, who could light it up from outside. You had Dominique Archie, who was, he was fun to watch, man. Dominique Archie, you remember him. You had Dwayne Day who was a hoot, Brandis Raley-Ross, Evka, you had some guys. You had some guys who could play um, on that team. And then you go back, you know, the, the NIT run, you know, Torrance Kenzie who played overseas for a long time. Um, yeah, so some really good players there. I, I'm going to stick with the basketball team is what I'm saying.
1: My my favorite memory from back then, one of my favorite memories, was um, <laughs> Ronaldo Balkman had one of those little – <laughs> you know where I'm going with this? He had so if anybody that was a student at the time knew this, he had I, I don't know what they're called, but you know those little mini sport bikes that that it looks like a direct mini replica of like a, a Yamaha motorcycle, basically. And Ronaldo Bachman, all six eight. Is that that accurate? Yeah, yeah. All six, eight of him would ride this little mm-hmm. mini bike around campus. And he'd, he'd ride it on the road. He'd ride it through campus. He'd ride it on the sidewalk. He'd ride it wherever he wanted because he was Ronaldo Bachman. And he I can't tell you how many t- I lived at Bates House one year. And Bates House, they'd be like, Renato Bachman is sneaking up the stairwell at Bates' house again. Hadn't checked in. Somebody go get Renato because he was going over there probably to see some girl or hang out or something. I don't know. But um, that, that guy was hilarious as far as just big
2: man on campus. Oh, yeah.
1: Just doing whatever he wanted when he wanted.
2: Well, he, he was. Um, I have a couple of personal Ronaldo. So I had a class with Ronaldo Baltman. It was music, and he was there sometimes. Um, and yeah, he he was hilarious in there when he was there. I was generally in music class um, because it, it wasn't that bad. It, it was fairly enjoyable. I don't remember much of it. But um, another one is he. Ronaldo, I, I, I guess, was dating a girl that lived literally across the hall from me at Whaley's Mill. Anybody on the show that knows about Whaley's Mill, it's almost like a fraternity, uh, uh, like a secret society of people who who just know all about Whaley's Mill. And man, one day we were walking out, and Ronaldo—I don't suppose he really had much of a plan about you know how he's going to get to class, and he didn't really know me when I mean, we saw each other. I knew he was there, and he saw me getting in my car, my Jeep. And he said, are you going to class? And I said, yeah. And, and not the same class, you know, mind you, you didn't, didn't know where I was going. <laughs> yeah. And he said, can I get a ride? Okay. So he got in my car and, you know, this is one of the Jeep Cherokees. And so with like a little push button door. And so he had to get in and I mean, the seat was, all the way back in the trunk. I mean, it was still wasn't far back enough. He's got his legs out there. So I gave him a ride to class just randomly. I mean, he, it, the guy was hilarious. I mean, a different cat. Um, and you talked about being <laughs> about a me here being out of control for the women. Sometimes I remember being at the games and Ronaldo would get the ball on a fast break and everybody in the, st- in the crowd is like, no, 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 <laughs> He would just, he would just sort of do his own thing, but Man, he was um he was quite a character. Quite a character. Yes. There I'm sure there are some other really good
1: stories uh about Ronaldo on yeah. campus. Um he actually he was randomly at Beats and randomly came to my room and took a shot on like my birthday or something. Um I, I don't know, it, it was it was wild. It's like somebody was like, Hey, this is Ronaldo Bachman. I'm like he's like, Happy birthday. <laughs> so um <laughs> Anyway, yeah. great, great times, man, great times. But current, current basketball. Yeah. I don't know if the guy who originally asked is even still on here. Our, our Facebook people don't hang around near as long as the YouTube people. From according to the stats, but you know, nothing really. As we record and go live here, it's two twenty eight. Um, I think it's Wednesday. It is Wednesday. Um, nothing really new on men's basketball. I know. You know, there's maybe people getting anxious again, but but really. It, it goes back to what we've reported since, kind of, kind of last Friday, but then have really confirmed um, and had further confirmed and reconfirmed um, throughout the weekend into Monday, and in our reporting there. We've got some Chris. You put out some in-depth stuff on Gamecock Central for for subscribers that they want to see some background on how all this happened. But the, uh, the the short story is that Frank Martin is fully expected to be back. He will be back. He'll be South Carolina's men's basketball coach this coming season. And, um, you know, obviously we continue to hear that Frank Martin believes it can be fixed, that he believes he has the answers to fix it. And, uh, you know, we'll see what that looks like. But that that's really the the quick version there, Chris.
2: Yeah, I mean, it is. And, again, tons more detail. We've answered a lot of questions on the Insiders Forum about it, done some follow-up you know, reporting with with exactly what happened there, because obviously there were some shifts. There's a lot of fluidity to the situation there. And thank you, Tony, for hanging around with us to and asking your question and hanging around to to hear the answer. But, yeah, that's that's short, sort of the short version of it is, you know, we don't know, you know, Wes, exactly. And, and come behind. Correct me if, if I'm not right on this. We don't know you know, how it's going to be handled as as far as if there's going to be some formal announcement or release or whatever it may be. We don't know. Um, at some point, for instance, a contract amendment, a contract extension, those things will get out publicly because they'll have to be approved and things of that nature. Uh, but we don't know otherwise how or when it may be handled other than, you know, we expect it to be resolved soon. And really for all intents and purposes, it's kind of sort of been resolved already in, in that, like you said, he's expected to be back as the coach next season. Beyond that long-term we're going to have to wait and see really not possible to predict sitting here in March, of the, almost April of 2021.
1: Yeah. And you know, my, my guess, educated guess is there will be some type of release. Chris, um, don't know that for sure that, you know, that's definitely how they'll handle it, but, I, I think you have to put something out there. Um, all right, Chris didn't want to hear my answer, I guess, but um, I, I think you have to put something out there, and you know I I think that you you have to sort of provide some some. You didn't like my answer, Chris.
2: Yeah, I, I had I was out on that. I had to get out. <laughs> um, I'm just like
1: yeah, now I think that you have to sort of double down on supporting him at this point, you know, if, if you bring somebody back, you have got to find a way to support them. And uh, to me, part of that is putting out some some type of statement, some type of release saying, um, hey, this is, uh, this is what's happening. There's going to be an extension if that's the case, which, you know, we think there will be. And, um, you know, accentuate some positives of the program and try to spin this thing forward is um what I would think you have to do as far as, you know, the other questions on here. Uh, you know, I, I think the two guys that transferred, obviously we found out yesterday, officially Trey Hannibal, Jalen McCrary, they were in the transfer portal. What I was told, um you know, I, I, I think that that was a situation where, you know, there, there were always going to be some transfers from this team. I, I think even from a scholarship standpoint, we need to crunch the numbers on that Chris, but, there, there was going to have to be some transfers at some point, but I, I think moving forward, who's going to transfer in, who's going to transfer out? Still too early to say. You have, I mean, the big questions here are: Will AJ Lawson come back? Obviously, he, uh, you know, has put his name to the NBA draft a, a couple of times already and, and come back. And now Keyshawn Bryant is putting his, has put his name into the draft process, but has not hired an agent which would allow him to come back as well. So I tend to think that's your two big first questions. What as far as is this another sort of restart for next year or do you have some some pieces to really build around? If you have those two guys back, you you do have some pieces to build around. Um and, and we'll sort of find out it was was this season more of a fluke than uh, than anything, because there are there are some good players within this program if they
2: are back. So um, so I, I don't I don't know. We'll we'll see as far as transfers and all that stuff, man. Yeah, and, and it's sort of hard to know for sure right now because you do have you know we know two players that are out. We know some of the players that are um, entering the program via you know being signees. You know, Devin Carter, Jacoby Wright, a couple other guys committed there. But then you have to look at you know, are, are, are there any more defections? What's the status of the rest of the team? We don't know the answers to that right now. And, and I know everybody wants to know, but there's just not any hard information on that right now. And so those things will play out. And then obviously that's going to set the course for other questions. Like, are there going to be any transfers or grad transfers? Don't know that yet. Uh, quite yet either. Wes. So um, that's a big, obviously the, the Bryant storyline is a big one. The Lawson storyline is a big one. Um, we, We have heard, you know, that's the thing. There's been so many different versions and all from reputable, you know, people who that we talked to behind the scenes that have good ideas of what's going on within the program or what could happen. But yet there there hasn't really been a firm consensus on which guys are definitely coming back, which guys are definitely leaving other than, you know, Hannibal was not a surprise. Jalen McCreary. I know Wes was one that you'd heard. So, None of those are a surprise, but there are several other ones um, that are sort of up in the air. Uh, Wes, I saw a couple things I wanted to hit on. You probably were going to hit on these, but just to make sure before we move on, I saw Frederick Cooper said the interesting part is the process involved in the decision that will come in due time. I assume you mean just how it unfolded. And J.E. talked about extending Frank Martin's contract and reducing the buyout by half. We actually... Had some info on that in that report. West reference for Gamecock central subscribers. They covered both of those things. What, does what a possible extension look like from what we hear? What is the process that led to all this? We actually had that for Gamecock central subscribers. Uh, don't even remember what day that report came out West, maybe Sunday, something like that. Um, Monday. Monday. Yep. So that report came out and we've got all that for subscribers on GamecockCentral.com, so go check it out or come ask us a question on the Insiders Forum if you want more. And Wes actually has, very timely Wes, a subscription deal for the people. Buy one month, get four months free at GamecockCentral.com. And Wes, that takes you up into, man, close to the football season, right? Yes, it'll put you right
1: up on the uh, the start of the football season, I believe. Awesome. So I'm not a – a mathematician, but uh but yeah. If you're if you're watching it, if you're on YouTube, you should see that comment come through where you can click it. If not, after the fact, just go to gamecockcentral.com. It's one of our front page stories right now. Make sure the code Carolina G's Carolina G's four Carolina G four is in there at checkout, and you can buy one month get four free. But if you click the link I have on the front page, it actually should automatically fill in that little code for you. Just make sure that it's in there. So, um, jay says, sign up. What are you doing with your life? I agree. Sign up. Or like I said earlier, refinance your home with Clint Hammond. You're going to save yourself probably a, at the least a couple hundred bucks a month. Sign up $10 a month, Gamecock central. Then you have another $190 per month saved. You can invest, um, Put it in some Bitcoin, maybe um, invest in AMC theaters, get some meme stocks, uh, buy, you know, start saving for a new TV, whatever you want to do. Um, there, There's just spend the 10 bucks on Gamecock Central. That's my only advice for you. But um, that's where this is where I have to say I'm not an investment advisor. That's what all these guys say on Twitter when they tell you what to do with your money. Um, I'm not an investment advisor, but. Anyway, dude, let's talk some football. Uh South Carolina players speaking today. Today's Wednesday. South Carolina players also speaking on Thursday. Uh defense today, offense tomorrow. Um, did did you listen in or seeing the notes from that, Chris?
2: Yeah, sure did. Uh wasn't able to listen in uh but caught some of the the notes, caught up on all that stuff. So I think I'm pretty well primed and prepped to be able to discuss the player availability today and some some interesting stuff that came out of it, I think, today.
1: Yeah, what was your top thought, Chris?
2: Well, my top thought was it was honestly one that just sort of made me chuckle when I saw it from uh, Colin Taylor on Twitter, and it was that Debo Williams uh, basically said his goal was to kill somebody on the football field, which someone <laughs> nowadays will get mad about that. But, um, no, I mean, it's a guy – look, we knew this guy. He's, a very, he's, he's sort of like an affable guy, you know, but he, he definitely on the football field is a pretty intense guy, which is what we've heard. You know, he's, a, he's a guy that likes to be physical. He works hard. And so I, that was sort of the top thing, quite honestly, man, that that stood out to me was just hearing Debo Williams say that, and that's not anything schematic or, you know, who's working at what position, but I, I just thought that that was a funny and interesting comment.
1: It, it was man. And that kid, I, that's one of my favorite actual interviews I've done this year was when I talked to him right after he committed, um, I was just instantly, some people, man, you're just sort of drawn to, like they have personalities that you're like, this guy is a leader. And he, you know, he is a leader. And I I think the guys, um, the guys really respond to him already. I thought that was interesting when he said, you know, Shane Beamer told him when he first got here, he said, you have leadership qualities. You can lead even as a newbie, even as a, you know, a freshman, you don't have to be a senior to be a leader. So uh, I think you're already seeing that he fits right in that category. You know, him, Marshawn Lloyd, Luke Doty as, you know, a few of the hardest workers on the team. They all sort of fit into the same category as far as putting in the extra work needed. And, you know, I, I thought, let's see, there were a couple of other interesting things he said. Um, he, he is very, he very much knows where he came from as far as Delaware, like he's wanting to put on for a state. He mentioned he didn't think, there's maybe been anybody from Delaware to, to play SEC ball, which I, I don't know if that's true. I'd love to see if that's true. That's crazy because um, really you're going to have two guys from the state of Delaware this year. Obviously, Marshawn did not play his high school ball in Delaware, but still um, the comments about his nickname, um, how – and he, he said, I, I want to be the better Debo, and um, – then he said, if, if there's a Debo that comes after me, he should want to be better than me. You know, sort of, uh, he, he said he wants to live up to that name, obviously with Debo Samuel. And let's see, what else? Looking through my notes. Oh, and, and I, I liked his evaluation of of Marshawn Lloyd. Uh, as a guy who knows Marshawn, has really watched him play since he was in middle school. He said Marshawn is, is electric. He's talking about how as a 12-year-old, Marshawn's out there jumping people much like you said senior ice was earlier and Chris he he said basically the way he described it I thought was really good he said you never know if Marshawn's going to run around you or run through you he said the guy does things I've never seen before and it, it that keeps you off guard you're trying to tackle somebody that could has this repertoire um you know, he, he said he's got so much in his arsenal that he's just very difficult uh, to get to the ground and, and predicted that this is going to be one of the best duos in, in the country. So, obviously, some love uh, from Marshawn Lloyd. Those two guys are tight, but I thought that was a good little evaluation there.
2: It was, and those guys, you know, they are tight. They seem to – it's almost a running joke now. Uh, my, our man Kevin Roche, I, I hope he's listening now, he he texted me yesterday. Because, of course, Marshawn is helping out, uh, trying to help South Carolina recruit Tykee Smith, the West Virginia transfer safety, who, um, you know, is supposed to, you know, do a virtual visit with South Carolina this week. And, you know, just sort of joking about how Marshawn seems to know everybody from up there, if they're from Philly, Delaware, Maryland, wherever they may be. And uh, he he does not actually know everybody, I don't think, but maybe a safe assumption to make. But just, you know, a couple guys in Debo and Marshawn that, they're sort of cut from the same cloth. They're both very, you know, Marshawn Lloyd's talked a lot about Delaware and being, you know, very proud of that. Um, He, you know, they both are extremely hard workers, but they're both really good kids. I mean, everybody you talk to about one of those two guys or both of them um, is always, they're always just very impressed by them. So um, interesting comments from him today, no doubt. Uh, Jabari Ellis and um, Zach Pickens, a couple of defensive linemen for the Gamecocks, Also spoke today, Wes, and a little bit of name image likeness uh, talk actually came up today. I was going to text you earlier and tell you we should bring that up. So not really name image likeness per se in the Supreme Court today, but the Austin case, that being named for former West Virginia running back Sean Austin, NCAA versus Austin, all the way up in the United States Supreme Court. Um, So not really name image likeness, more about how colleges, institutions themselves, uh, whether how they can compensate players, basically. Can you reimburse them for certain things, et cetera? So that but that is going to be an important case for shaping other policies, even maybe relating to name image likeness. So Ellis was asked about that. Pickens was asked about that. Both had sort of different answers. And, uh, you know, like anything else, even players can sort of fall on different sides of that.
1: They they did. And, um, you know, Chris, it it was kind of, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but it was sort of both, both guys who were asked that didn't really seem to want to have some strong opinion uh, towards that. I, I think they both, you know, Jabari said, yeah, we should get paid. But it was sort of, you know, I, you know, I see both sides. Um, and he, he almost, uh, you know, expounded a little bit more, but then he decided not to and said, I'm just going to leave it at that. Pickens, you know, was like, you know, I get it. Everybody would love to be paid, I think, was sort of his his point. But he was like, hey, we, we sort of do get paid in a way indirectly by our education, education, which is sort of that's the argument of the people who think, Players should not be paid. Is how you know they get a free education, free um, you know lodging, free meals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it was interesting to sort of, and that's just two guys. Uh, you know, every, everybody's going to have an opinion, but neither one really jumped to want to to answer that type of question. I think, and you know that that jogs my memory, Chris. It seemed like one thing that was very interesting to me hearing you know Debo Williams talk hearing you know jordan strong talk and even hearing you know jabari ellis talk about his decision to come back um you know zach pickens talking about how he was never going to transfer out he was never had never having thoughts of leaving but just their appreciation for being at south carolina sort of the gratitude i know that's something that luke day preaches quite a bit but uh let's see if i can find it he he basically debo williams said that um you know, this was an opportunity of a lifetime for him. Uh, Jordan Strong was talking about how uh, how thankful he was to be at South Carolina. Gave Kristen Coggins a shout out, talking about how he told her, you know, I'm going to be my I'm going to be your best friend when um you know when when I get there. And, and now he's put on like 20 pounds. Is up. I thought that was an interesting note. Jordan Strong up to 237 pounds because you know that's something we had wondered: is he going to be an every down type guy or a pass rush specialist in the SEC? So. Two hundred thirty-seven pounds at this point. It's only March thirty-first. That's probably a, a pretty good sign for for him and a sign for, for him to be able to help South Carolina this year. But uh, quite a bit of of sort of uh, thankfulness for being at South Carolina from some of these kids.
2: Yeah, and you know Jabari Ellis even too. I mean, being you know Jabari and Zach being in-state guys, and um, both of them talked about obviously they signed with South Carolina out of high school. They didn't transfer like a Debo Williams or a Jordan Strawn into the program, but both are South Carolina natives. And so, um, you know, Zach Pickens, for instance, like you said, never thought about transferring Jabari Ellis wanted to come back, even though he was technically a senior last year, Wes Wes wanted to come back again um, to try to, you know, both of them talked about finishing what they started and, um, you know, trying to help turn the program around. So you, you picked up on that that thankfulness, that gratitude sort of theme, even with those guys as well, and that they're carrying, you know, the right kind of attitude um, into spring football. And and that's something that, look, I mean, is it going to necessarily translate to wins? Not necessarily, but it is going to help shape your culture of your program, which is obviously something that they focused on a lot here in the early going of of Shane Beamer's tenure.
1: All right, let's get a little bit into some – what do you say we talk a little recruiting Chris, um, let's talk about Grayson Maines. I, I think he's someone that's that's very much worth talking about right now. Offensive line prospect, someone that I think South Carolina fans should probably get to know. It's a name they should get to know, and somebody you've kept people updated on quite a bit here lately. Um, took, I believe, a, a walk-around visit, self-guided tour type thing here recently. Is going to take an official visit to South Carolina. And uh, Chris, it, it appears the uh, the Gamecocks have put themselves in, in a pretty good spot uh, headed up by Mr. Greg Atkins.
2: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Maines is one of the guys that that South Carolina jumped in on uh, after the staff changeover, after Adkins was hired. And it became pretty evident that he was going to be someone that, that the staff was going to pursue pretty hard. And so Adkins has done a good job with him. Shane Beamer, of course, going to be in touch with all the all the top targets on South Carolina's board. So, um, you know, Maine's narrowed it down pretty quickly to where he was going to keep other schools in the mix, but Tennessee, Michigan State, South Carolina was, you know, they, they were the schools that really were in his top three. He left things open to a degree, but didn't want to stretch things out. It doesn't appear super long West actually told us um, after his, that that self-guided tour that you mentioned that, he might even decide in the next week or two. And so obviously that's a pretty good sign for South Carolina uh, because, you know, they, they just got a visit. He's even talking about if possible, being able to go back to South Carolina for the spring game. Um, and then he's got the official visit on the books for the weekend of June 11th. And that's his only official visit. So you add all that up, you put it together with what we've heard about, about South Carolina's positioning and, and it looks like they're in pretty good shape for Grayson Maines and less well, it, would be a good pickup. And aside from him, they're they're in the mix for some other talented offensive linemen. A, a couple or a few guys from the Northeast as well that you know would make this potentially a really good class, but obviously still a, a long way to go. Um had a
1: question here about the uh the facilities and what recruits can and can't see right now. And you know, really, Chris. The, the way it is right now, you can kind of see anything that is not restricted to just any stranger walking up to. So, you know, I, you know, you, you think may, maybe some of these visits uh, around the country kids take, may maybe a door to the to the dorm area just happens to be open when you walk up. You know, like you can you can sort of the the, the big thing is that the coaching staffs themselves. Are not allowed to come out and, and take you around and, and show you the place. So, uh, you know, it's very different from a regular visit, but you can go walk around campus. You can walk up to the stadium. You can see what it's all about. You can see the football ops facility from the outside. Um, you know, you can see the dorms from the outside. Maybe you could walk around the lobby of the dorms if you could get in there. But really, you know, it's just about what you can go. See, like I said, maybe you could sneak into the dorm area, but um, the, the staff can't go out there and and physically talk to you or show you around. Um, I think they can even hop on a Facetime with you. So it's not it's it's really at this point a little bit silly, but um, all this will be over with. We believe uh, June one when when you know official visits will start back, and South Carolina already very much starting to schedule those for for the summer.
2: Yeah, and um, I, I know we we've been sort of tracking the the amount of official business. They got some, some talented prospects. West coming in. What was it on the? I think the twenty fifth weekend. They've already got three. What was it? Three four star guys on the mm-hmm. books. So a trio four star guys on the books. So yeah, in June eleventh, we'll have some guys in. In addition to Grayson Maines, Ryan Brubaker, the four star offensive tackle out of Philly or Pennsylvania rather, um, is a, is a guy that's going to be in at that same time. And and Peter Kickwada from. Um, from Maryland, a four-star receiver will be in that weekend as well. So shaping up um, and yeah, to go back to the question um, that that was asked there to get a little bit more specific, I know for Grayson Maines, he just mentioned, Hey, I saw the stadium from outside. So he didn't go into the stadium, which like you said, man, that's generally not something that the public can just go walk up and say, Hey, I'm gonna go see the stadium. You know, you, you can't really go in there anyway And he did say that he went through the the school uh, where sport and entertainment management is. Now, did he go in? Sort of sounded like it. I didn't get that specific with him. So you you can walk around, you can see Columbia, you can do all that stuff and get a, a pretty good sense for it. But walking into the football ops facility, the weight room, the stadium, those are the things you're going to be restricted from right now. But that is going to change pretty soon. And everybody is looking forward to that, no doubt.
1: No doubt. Let's uh, talk a little bit real quick and, and watch a little film on uh, Peter Kikwata, offensive lineman. This is his, I believe this would have to be sophomore tape. I don't I don't even know if they've played a junior season, Chris, but um, you, you've you talked to this kid before from what I remember. You did a story with him a while back. Four-star kid, um, someone that has sort of emerged, I, I believe, as a a guy to watch for South Carolina as well. Anytime you're getting guys in on officials, they immediately become a guy to watch, I think, as far as you having a chance with them. So um, what, what can you tell us about this kid?
2: Yeah, I mean, this is someone that, um, you know, not surprisingly, I think Justin Stepp, Carolina's wide receivers coach, knew of him and, and had a prior relationship with him from Arkansas. Um, at Arkansas, obviously lots of Texas kids, Arkansas kids, Midwest kids offered, but Justin Step. Did a good job of, you know, casting a wide net on receiver prospects. If they're talented receiver prospects, he's going to offer them and he's going to take that same approach at South Carolina. So it was a guy that obviously, when when Step got in and the other coaches, we saw them go back to their boards at maybe their previous stops. And so they're going to take a look at some, you know, not only what was on South Carolina's board previously, you know, in the Will Muschamp regime, um, but then bring some new guys. And so Peter. Kikwado is a guy that, you know, he's he's in South Carolina's territory of recruiting that they generally spot recruit in Maryland, uh, no matter what the regime is. And Justin Stepp had a prior relationship there. So this is a guy that's got talent, man. He's a big receiver. You, you watch him on film here, for those that are watching the live stream, and he just, he just looks bigger and better than everybody. He's just sort of a man among boys at that particular level. So, um he's got some interesting traits about him and obviously South Carolina looking to continue upgrading at the receiver position this is one that has sort of advanced you know to where you get an official visit like you said man you're in the mix with the guy
1: yeah and i you know i, I think step has has really done an outstanding job i think we'll see it start to pay off you know in in the in the not so distant future i think once it, it gets into the summer and uh, they're able to get kids on campus, and, and we see who you know who of these kids they really have a great shot at, at landing and stuff. I, I think when all is said and done, it'll be a very talented receiver class for, for South Carolina. Obviously, with uh, you know Antonio Williams here locally at Dutch Fork still being a prime, prime, primary priority target for South Carolina, a, a guy that um, I would say based on how hard they're recruiting him and the local angle. Maybe one of their top just targets, regardless of position. But you look at this kid, you know. You, you look at CJ Smith down there in Orlando, uh, Bishop Moore High, uh, that I've been tracking quite a bit here lately. There's the other kid you wrote about uh, recently, Dane Key, uh, there yeah. in Kentucky, uh, that I, I think is, is a guy to keep an eye on. Although his his dad played at Kentucky, right? Isn't that right? Yeah. Um, so you know, some, some you're not going to land them all. But I, I think you can start to see maybe what what Justin Stepp's thought process is on this.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Dane Key, like you mentioned, man, is, is a guy that's an interesting player too and interesting prospect. He's got a top ten. South Carolina's in it. Um, where do things go from here? I'm not sure. I, I do think South Carolina can get into the upper echelon of that group. Will Kentucky be hard to beat? Probably. I mean, if you're being realistic – Uh, Dad, Dante, played at Kentucky. He's from Lexington, goes to high school in Lexington. Uh, He's got a couple former teammates in the 2021 class, signed with Kentucky. Uh, But Step has a good relationship with him and the family. Another little tie there is Key's brother, his older brother, uh, Devin Key, actually played defensive back and played it quite well, he was a really good player at Western Kentucky for Clayton White, Carolina's defensive coordinator. So there's some familiarity and some carryover there that could help. And I think the overarching thing that, that you hit on Wes is that, you know, steps in a position and poised to get visits and, and be in a, in a position where you've, you know, to go back to my phrase, to have a seat at the table with several talented receivers. And, and that's what you want going into the summer.
1: Yeah, and I, dude, as I've sort of dug in on on CJ Smith, for one, I think South Carolina is is very much in it with this kid as well. But for two, I I really like him as a player and just as as a kid. He's you know he comes from a military background, um, very down to earth kid, very down to earth uh, family. Uh, the type of people you want to bring into your program, if you're South Carolina or really anywhere, but you look at the speed, you look at the fact that you know this is a kid that runs the ten, five, one hundred, and and getting better every day. Essentially, we've talked about the need to add some speed to South Carolina's roster. If you could add an Antonio Williams and, and add a CJ Smith, um, and CJ not a small guy to to be as fast as he is either. So uh, I think there there is a there's quite a bit of upside. Within the uh, the group of receivers that Step has South Carolina in on, and uh, I, I think CJ Smith actually for me one of the more underrated. He's a low three star on Rivals right now. I gotta imagine that's going to go up at some point. Florida's in on him. Florida State's in on him. Obviously South Carolina, Auburn is in the top ten. There's a number of other schools obviously in it, but uh, th- this is one of my favorite guys.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a good call. I mean, this is a kid. He's what listed at six three. Wes, yeah, six two, six three, depending on where you look. Yes, I mean, he's a guy that's got length, and I mean a ten a ten five hundred is motoring, so he's got he's got long speed. Um, but I mean, he shows the other traits on film that you like too. I mean, he can he can catch the football in traffic. Um, he gets open. He's got quickness as well, not just long speed. So there, there's definitely some tools to work with there. And when you find a guy with that kind of length that can run like that, that that's a guy that you probably need, particularly for South Carolina scenario, you need to upgrade on guys with speed downfield athleticism. Those are the things that you need to hit on. So I think it's a really good, um, a really good take, you know, to, to try to get in on this guy. And I'm with you with that offer list and how well I think this kid is going to continue progressing, I I would anticipate the ranking going up as well.
1: Yeah, and and a guy that I I think, even if you want to really take it a step farther, you know, you could probably even start to slot these guys And that he'd be a guy and maybe would play outside for you. Antonio Williams would be a guy could play inside for you at the slot. Um, You know, maybe the Kikwata kid being a little bit bigger could be your other outside receiver. So you can almost, if you could pull it off, you could almost sort of envision how these guys would all fit into the scheme, um, you know. Once once they were on the field at the same time, but uh, yeah, he, he's a guy. Again, all all the videos, by the way, we'll give them credit. All the videos are from Huddle, so if you want to go watch more of them yourself, go check that out. And uh, if you want to read more on your Gamecocks, uh, go to GamecockCentral.com. Again, we've got a special going on. Go go check that out. Go read Chris's uh, novel on the Frank Martin situation. There's a, a lot to to cut through um, very interesting situation there. If you didn't read that on Monday, go check that out. And uh, Chris, you got any closing thoughts, man? Or are you
2: good? I think I'm good today, man. Lots, lots to hit on the show today, but I think we, we got through a lot of it. And I really appreciate the interaction from everybody today. Yeah. appreciate everybody
1: supporting us as always appreciate the support on the show and on Gamecock central and all of our, our chatters, by the way, if you're, if you listen after the fact, we love it. But try, try to come join us live so you can throw your questions in there. You can meet some of our now infamous chat folks there as well and, and come hang out. And w- one day we're going to do this in person again, and um, we can maybe meet some of you guys, uh, you know, in person. But, Chris, good stuff as always. For Chris Clark, I'm Wes Mitchell. We'll see you all
0: on Friday. 18 plus.